What's going on, y'all? This is Dennis Smith Jr. checking in to let you know that you're listening to Numbers on the Board with Jeff Skin Wade and Bobby Corrales. Well, well, well. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Numbers on the Boards, the Dallas Maverick podcast. I'm your host for today, Jeff Skin Wade. Now, usually I do this with Bobby Corella, but Bobby is back in Dallas, and sitting to my left on the Dallas Maverick airplane is Maverick guard and now Maverick assistant coach, the great Daryl Armstrong. Hello, DA. How you doing? Man, I'm so we're getting ready to fly to Denver. And I know that you probably wanted to be asleep, but I'm going to keep you up for a little bit so you can podcast with me. No, I mean, that's all right. I need to get my prayer in anyway. Okay. To make sure we get up and down safe. That's good. Have you ever recorded a podcast during takeoff? Never recorded it. Um broadcast podcast what is it podcast 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 so a broadcast would be like a live radio broadcast a podcast is us recording this and then they just go stick it on the internet okay and then people can listen to it whenever they want i've done a broadcast but not a podcast right this is my first and and we're doing it while taking off so that's a really really great uh that's a really really great thing that we're doing okay so what i'm really most interested in and talking to you is you've got great stories you I mean, you don't want to hear none of my stories, well, do you? I, I do. I want to hear the stories, but I mean, and you gotta, you gotta decide what you can tell and what you can't tell. I mean, that's on you. But my job is to just put the ball on the tee, and let you rear back and see if you can't knock this thing 350 down the middle of the fairway. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. I'm so using... what I want to start with right. is, I want to start with that crazy year in Orlando, where you guys went, I believe, 41 and 41. Everybody had kind of written y'all's off, y'all off. It was sort of like, you know, hey, here's a, a team of a bunch of guys nobody knows. And y'all gave everybody hell that year. And I think that's kind of the year where everybody learned that Daryl Armstrong was going to be in the league for a really long time. That must have been a really cool year for you. Yeah, um, that was a cool year for me. But the year before was probably the year that really probably set me, um, set me into the league where I knew – I was going to be there for a while. That's the year I won the six-man and most improved. And then um, Hall of Fame, Hall of Famer Chuck Daly retired, um, who coached me that year. And and Doc Rivers took over his first year. And, and um, we ended up trading Penny. Um, I think we um, – I don't know if we traded Horace Grant, but we ended up having um, – some guys who a lot of people didn't know about. Uh, we drafted uh, Matt Harpin from Georgia Tech, Mike Dodiak from Utah, which was two good additions um, the year before. And then we ended up trading for, at that time, nobody knew who he was, was Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace, that's right. And uh, we had Bo Outlaw, and then we we ended up picking up John and Michi uh, along the way. So, um you know, that year was um, a, a, a challenging year, but it was a, a, a great challenge that uh, that I always took personal because the first thing I heard with the new team that we had got, because um, we, we traded Penny for Pat Garrity, who was a big shooter for us, mm-hmm. that once again a lot of people didn't know about. And um, so we was we was picked to win only ten games that year. Right. And um, if anybody know anything about me, I I take things personal when it comes to things like that that's been said and challenges. And um, 
So we end up winning once again 41 games out of 41 and 41. And then not only did we win 41, but we had two 10 games losing streaks in, in, that, um, in that year. And I never forget. Ben Wallace coming in one time off the second the second ten ten game losing streak, and uh, we had just lost another close one. He's and he never talks too much, and he said, "I'm I'm tired of this more victories, you know." But um, it, it was an amazing year. I mean, it's it's funny that we're we're talking about that, and we're on our way to Denver right now, where. Some of our guys had got um, a little offended by uh, Doug Moe, I think, was the coach for Denver Nuggets at the time. And Doug Moe had told the media that couldn't nobody on our team start for them. And so as I'm, as I'm warming up, and shooting before the game, you know how you go out there and get your little warm up, and then you lead that, and then come right back to the locker room, get ready for the game, and get ready for the meeting. Um, as I'm leaving, some of the guys grabbed me. It was like, "Yo, Daryl, did you hear what the coach for the Denver Nuggets said?" I said, "Nah, what did he say?" He said, "He said can't can't none none of our players on this team start for him." And I just said, "Okay." I shook my head. I said, "All right, we got him." And um, make a long story short, we was tied at halftime. And the second half came, and that pressure defense that we had, and um, I was always picking, um, like push, pushing the ball and pulling, you know, doing dribble pull-up threes. And, and I got hot in the third quarter. And then at the end of the game, to top it off, um, Chucky Atkins got the ball, and I was running down the right side, and Chucky got it at the free throw line, and I told him right in front of the Duggan, uh, Denver bench, bounce it. <laughs> he bounced the ball. I went up and caught it with two hands and dunked it one hand. Are you serious? And told him to take that. In game? Yeah, so that was at the end of the game, and we ended up beating him by over 20 points. Oh, that's a beautiful story. And so, I mean, but, you know, when you got, you know, I always take this, the leadership role so serious, and, and when you got, um, you know, teams or coaches or media saying that we're not going to do this, we're not going to, that's, 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 that's my ult ultimate challenge to, to push the guys. And you always got to lead by example, and that's how I always done. I, I led them, and I led them by example, and then not only did I lead them by example, but, I didn't, you know, not knowing what I had in Ben Wallace and Bo Outlaw, I knew mm -hmm. what I had in. And um, having Chucky Atkins as a rookie that year, mm -hmm. um, and we, like I said, we missed the playoff by one game. Yeah, yeah, it was against Milwaukee, like the second to last game. They ended up beating us um, at the buzzer and uh, on our court. But you know, in this game, if, if you put your heart in it, your mind in it, and you believe, it's a lot of things that you can overcome, and it doesn't matter. Talent, some sometimes talent to me is so overrated. Right, it's about competing. Um, everybody in the NBA has talent. Sacramento Kings has talent. We can see Philadelphia 76ers has talent. Um, and and the, they showing right now that they are young, but they are competing every night that they're on the floor and they're winning games. Yeah. You know, and uh, wait till they get their experience as a young team as they are. 
wait till they get to the experience of um, two or three more years if they can keep that team together. I can't help but like when you start, you know, talking about that. I can't help but think about the fourth quarters that the Mavericks have been through this year, and specifically Dennis Smith Jr. Because you know we all believe in his ability to be a big time player, mm-hmm. but he's got to go through, you know, figuring out how to end games and close games yeah. and some of those things. How do you? think he's handling it he's a young dude and you know there's a lot of attention placed on him I mean I think I feel like I see other teams come in here and their stars are giving him a lot of attention you know so how do you think he's handling all of this well I I think he's handling it the right way because I mean he's young and when you young all you want to do is play basketball I mean it's supposed to be his what second third year in college right Um, just turned 21 I mean, I can't remember what I was doing at, at 21. I was in school, you know, and and uh, enjoying, you know, school and playing basketball on a college level. But here, here he is as, as an NBA superstar already. Uh, he's going to be in All-Star Weekend, the dunk right. contest, you know, the rookie, the rookie game. So, um, I mean, it's amazing that, now you're asking this guy to come in here and lead not only his team but lead the, the six all-time uh, and, and the 30,000 points, Dirk Nowinski, uh, Harrison Barnes, who's been on and who's been to the finals twice mm-hmm. uh, in his young career. And then, um, you know, just putting all of it together, trying to learn how to mix and, mix and match his talent, his scoring, his, his passing, and how to keep guys involved. And, and he's learning how to work. You know, he's learning how to play hard. And, you know, for him, it's, it's so different now that he's got to play both ends of the floor. Right. Especially in this league. The, 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 the toughest position in this league is playing point guard. Right. I mean, you can get embarrassed. If you're not ready to play, you can get embarrassed every night if you're not ready to play. I, you know, we just were leaving Dallas now, and I just played Portland, and I felt like, the, you know, I don't know if the right word is effort, but in terms of being dialed in, I feel like he was paying a lot of attention to try to do the right thing defensively against mm-hmm. Damian Lillard tonight. Yeah, and then, I mean, he's going against an all-star. Yeah. Like that's something. And um, they might have another all-star guy who didn't make it, uh, and C.J. Collins. Uh, but, he's a baller. Yeah, he's a baller. But, uh, you know, uh, it's just this is a good lesson for him. Yeah. I mean, we're not playing the best basketball right now, but as as for him, he's got to continue to keep learning. He's got to continue to to keep finding ways of how to lead. And when you and not only lead, but lead where you win games. You know. Um, so I, I I truly believe in that. And I it just don't start in the game. It starts from practice. It starts from working out. It starts from you know, you preparing your mind and yourself of um, what you're going to do on the floor. I mean, I used to always, and I still do it, I always visualize the game. Uh, when I used to work out, I always visualize if I dribble dribbling the ball and I'm working on my dribbling, I used to dribble up the floor with nobody on me, but I used to act like somebody was guarding me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got to visualize the game. You got to visualize what you see, how you're going to play. Um, while you're sitting over there, watch the game, uh, see what we need, the energy. And so, you know, all those things is that, that that's going through his mind right now is 
it's probably overwhelming. I mean, because at the end of the day, uh, he went from playing at NC State, which is a nice Division One school in ACC, to a, a franchise where they just gave him the keys and say, "Here come the leaders." Right. And um, so I mean, but you know, I'm from North Carolina. He's from North Carolina, so I know he likes that challenge. Yeah. Um, and, it, and I think he's he's willing to learn and. He's been putting in the work. Um, I, I like what uh, Coach Mosley does with him in the morning uh, of practice. He, he grabs them and takes them through defensive schemes things and, and working them out with that. And one thing I always like that Dennis has done is I told Mose, Coach Moses, he's locked into that. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's, he's learning you see the growth in that area. I mean, it's real. Like, even if you're just a casual viewer of Mav games, if you were tuning in tonight for the first time in three weeks, you notice he's doing better on defense each game. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and that's what that's that's why the morning sessions with Mosley is so important because he's learning what we want to do on defense. He's learning stuff that um, – NC State probably never did. Right. You know, um, from college to pro is so, so much different. And how, how you guard guys in this league, especially at the point guard position, because like I said, it's the toughest position to play. And um, so he, he's, he's learning each and everybody's game, but you learn it also even better when you compete, you go hard, and you see you get a chance to see guys best where these guys are going at you and now you know how to play them the next two or three times you come up against them. But if you're not going hard, so hard, if you're not playing hard against them, you might not get to see their best because you're loafing. But now by him going hard in games and practice, he's learning. He's learning what he needs to know about how to defend guys. I mean, I used to always, in Orlando, I played with Derek Harper one year. And the one thing I, I took from Derek Harper is um, how to play with the edge. Yeah. You know, um, he, he'll, he'll laugh at this because I'm telling the story. But I remember one night we were in Phoenix and he was struggling. He wasn't playing good at the beginning. And he did something to try to start something with um, Rest Chapman. Uh-huh. <laughs> so here I am. I mean, I run over there, kind of get in between, you know, make sure Harp's good. And I ask Harp, I say, Harp, what's up? What's wrong? What'd he do? And Harp said, nothing. I'm just trying to get myself going. <laughs> and that's that's the type, that, that's the type of edge you got to have in right. this league. Right, right. You got to find ways of how to get yourself going. Um, you know, I told Yogi this year, I say, hey man, I never seen anyone guard Kyrie the way you guarded him the first year. And Yogi was hungry. Uh-huh. And Yogi, I don't know if you remember when we played him in um, in, um, in, the, in the arena in Dallas. We didn't get, because Yogi wasn't on the team when we played him in Cleveland. But Yogi was ripping him strip him in the ball and all up in him. And I was like, oh, man. So I, I told Yogi this year, I said, Yogi, when we play Kyrie again, he's coming for you. 
Because you got to knock the edge off of this guy. You know, he's got to knock the edge off of Yogi because Yogi had an edge on him. Um, I never forget when we played in the game, game seven of um, the conference, um, conference first round against Houston. And I got – I had to play game seven against Mike James. Uh-huh. I, and I had an edge on him. I played him – not only did I play him well that night, and not only did I play well and the team played well, but um, I got him kicked out of the game, frustrated. Well, the next year, whether that summer, as we play in T-Max basketball uh, tournament down in uh, Polk County, me and Chucky Hackett was on teams together. And so Mike James was on teams on the other side. The first play of the game, he come hard at me. And in the summer, night, summer league, I don't play but hard defense. Uh -huh. I don't do what I do in the regular season. So he came at me hard, and I told Chucky. I said, nah. I said, you go him. I said, I'm not letting him get his edge back. Yeah. Well, come the next, the next after that, that, that um, the playoff game, and then the summer, then the next following year, we play Toronto on a Saturday. Mike James got traded that summer to Toronto. So we're getting beat 24. We're down 24. It's a 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock game, early game. I remember game. this. I remember this. And um, Mike James had 30 points. Well, A.B. called me in the game that day. With five minutes and 24 seconds ago, A.B. called me in the game. And to make a long story short, Mike James had 30 points when I came in the game. He had 32 at the end of the game. Not only at the end of the game, we went in two overtimes. And I was taking charges on him. I was beating him up. I I kept that edge on him. I didn't, I didn't let him get that edge back right. that day right. in the summertime. And that's that's what I tell these guys. You got it's, it's, it's an edge you got to play with. It's a will that you got to have on guys in here. Because if they get it on you, you got to go out there and, and outplay them the next time you play against them get it off because that carries over it carries over big time people people don't understand it people don't see it but when you when you play in this game it's just like LeBron James and now Kevin Durant mm -hmm. Kevin Durant feel like he's got an edge on LeBron from playing last year in the NBA Finals right and that edge just continued to go on even in um, Christmas Day game yeah where Durant got away with some fouls. Right. But it's his edge. Yeah. That he's been playing with since he won the championship. So that's why I take I never take that for granted. You you brought up Yogi. Are there things about Yogi that remind you of yourself at all? And, and well here's all put it. For one thing, you know, he gets really good bounce on his jumper, which I remember you getting really good bounce on your jumper. You'd gather yourself. Yeah, I gathered myself, but I didn't jump that high like Yogi. Um I was more of like a rhythm. I like to be rhythm. Right. Not too high, but. Um, I guess maybe it's the gather that maybe, I'm talking and maybe, about. And maybe I did jump high sometimes. I just don't realize it. But. Um, you had a real distinct way of gathering yourself, though, yeah. on your jumper. And it Yogi was, does, too. Yeah, it was just about rhythm. Yeah. And and he does remind me of uh, myself because he can play defense. Yeah. The, the biggest thing that I try to tell Yogi is. You be guarding guys so good sometimes until you get in the po until you get in that that post 
and then you you have you you, like, you keep your body in front of them, and then all of a sudden you don't hold your ground. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I had to learn. And uh, the rules was different when I played than what uh, what uh, Yogi is playing in right now. We could put a forearm on the guy and hold it there. We could a hand check. But now you you got a forearm and take it off, put it on. So a lot of times he might be a little nervous of keeping it on and then holding his ground. But if, if he learns that, he's going to be a hell of a defensive player. Uh, I call him Baby Hercules because, I mean, <laughs> them arms. Yeah, man, he's jacked, right? I mean, it, it is amazing the way he can move his feet and how strong he is and how he can stay in front of guys. It's, it's amazing. And uh, it's, it's fun to watch. It is fun to watch. And, and it's funny, too, because I think people kind of, you know, we're all caught up in the hype on Dennis. And it's, I, I say hype, but, you know, just the buzz because it's substantiated. But people forget Yogi made second team all rookie last year, and he only played half a year, really. Yeah, but, I mean, that, that was the, the tribute to him because when he came out, he played hard. And, um, you know, he's still trying to find that balance this year because, you know, his offense has is, is gotten better and he's knocking down shots. And sometimes you, you can kind of slow down on the defense end thinking about your offense, but um, he's, he's, done a, he's done a great job for us um, this year, and um, you know, I, what the thing I like, he's, he's coachable, he listens, mm -hmm. you know, and he's, he wants to get better, and uh, he's believing himself, so you know, for, for him, hats off, and, 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 and for him and Dennis, yeah. I mean, they're the future of this this franchise right now. Did, um, is was Avery the screamingest coach you ever played for? You know, because he could, he could, he had that real distinct vocal tone. And when Avery got mad, Avery got really mad. Well, Brian Hill used to scream sometimes. Okay. Okay. Um, I think every coach stream. Rick, Rick Carlisle, he streams sometimes. Not as much as as Avery, but um, Avery was just so distinct sounding, you know. Well, I mean, to me, Avery, Avery knew me, so Avery knew I. I'm gonna laugh because I used to hear that voice, <laughs> D A D A, A D A, you know. So, yep. but um, you know, uh, he was tough, but not only tough on me, he was tough on everybody. Yeah. From Dirk Nowinski to whoever, and you know, sometimes they can backfire on you. Sometimes it, it, it helps, but um, you know, when, when I play here for him, we we as a team. We all we all took it in, right? And that's why we got to the finals, and we should have won the finals that year. Yeah, but um, we didn't. But uh, but he's if you if you don't have tough skin, you can't play for Avery Johnson. Right. And that's how Avery was with San Antonio. You know, with Avery coming up in the NBA. You know, Avery got cut Christmas Eve. Right. Right. With Seattle. Right. So he's he's learned to be tough as a as a player. He's learned to be tough under Popovich when he played for Pop. Um, you know, I used to always hear stories about Avery, him and you know him and uh, Mario Elliott when they played together in the San Antonio shoot around. They were serious. Uh -huh. It wasn't no playing around, but um, everybody don't approach it like that. But you know, to his and to hers, uh, if that's what you do and that's how you prepare yourself, do it. Have you always, I feel like 
you have a lot of different roles here, but I feel like part of your role is that you keep guys loose because everybody likes you. Like, you know that about yourself. Everybody likes you. You're a funny dude. Were yeah. you that way as a player, too? Yeah, I mean, I, you, got, you got to enjoy this game. But I never let it make me stop uh, competing. Right, of course. Um, and, and like I say, I, I always competed in practice first. And when I left practice, I'm already playing the game in my head for the next day. I'm already prepared to what I need to do because I got what I need to get in to be prepared for the next day of the game. And so for me, uh, for me to relax, I, sometimes that's what I used to do. I, I clown or I, I never listen to rap music. I listen to R&B uh-huh. or gospel. Okay. Because, Why? Because it relaxes me. Okay. Because I'm always nervous before the game. And I'm nervous because of how I feel, how I'm going to play. And that's like, I feel like I'm going to play good every time I go out there. And like I say, I already visualize what I want to do, how I want to guard guys. Sometimes I used to just jog around the court just to watch guys. And I can say, oh, he ain't here tonight. He ain't ready tonight. Um, never forget Charlie Ward coming off of an injury. And um, as soon as he got in the game, you know, it's like I smelled blood. Uh, I was pressing him up and down the floor where I almost like, man, this is wrong. <laughs> but Abusive? <laughs> yeah, it's wrong just defensively because I wouldn't let him bring the ball up the floor. But, you know, those are things you got to do in order to be successful, in order to be good in this league. You got to find ways of how to get an edge on a player, on a team. Um, so... That's what I did. I always prepared my mind. I always visualized what I need to do to be successful in the game. Didn't you have like a pot of coffee with a hundred sugars in it before every game? Well, they said I had coffee with my sugar. <laughs> That's what they always used to say. But um, was that just for before games, or you still drink a lot of coffee? No, that was before. I always drank coffee in the morning. But um, the way I started that tradition was, <clears throat> it was the year of the lockout. Okay. Um, that's the year, I, like I said, I won the sixth man and most improved. And we was in, um, we was in Golden State. Chuck Daly was our coach. And Chuck Daly, um, we had lost like two or three in a row. So Chuck was like, whatever y'all gotta do, drink a Coca-Cola, have a cup of coffee, so you get yourself ready for the game tonight, do it. And I never forget. I had 21, I think, 21 to eight that night against Golden State, and uh, we ended up winning the game. But I had drunk a cup of coffee before the game because uh, when I was growing up, I used to make coffee for my stepdad all the time. Okay. And that's how I ended up saying myself that night I was going to drink coffee. And I already done it. I know how to make it, and I ended up drinking it. And I had a great game that night, and uh, like I say, we ended up winning. And from there, I never stopped. And you drink. Like, you put a ton of sugar in that. You turn it into a milkshake. It's like a coffee milkshake. Oh. <laughs> well, right. let me tell you something. I have trouble sleeping at night after the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love that. So, who, in your mind, who was the um, the toughest guy to cover? Like, I know there's a lot of different guys that have different skills, but someone jump out and like, oh, man, this guy, this guy's a load. 
be honest with you, it's hard sometimes giving one guy credit. I think every night um, that point guard position is, is tough. And um, so for me, um, guarding the point guards was tough. But with, with Doc Rivers, when I played, you know, guarding AI, that was always my fun challenge. Because um, I know he's going to shoot about 30 times a night. So my goal was, if you're going to hit 30 points, you're going to shoot 30 times right, or right. more. And then the other challenge for me was a lot of times in late in games, five minutes, six minutes ago in the game, Doc Rivers used to put me on the two guards, the Ray Allens, right. um, the, the Allen Houston, Latrell Sprewell, and and, and I mean, these guys Rich, are like four and five inches uh, on yeah. you. Um, Joe Dumas, Tim Hardaway. So all those guys used to always try to post me up. And I was talking to Dennis the other day when we played Houston. Is I was telling him about that. And the way I the way I really learned how to play post defense was I had to guard. I mean, I had to get down and dirty because I didn't want to get embarrassed by these guys just posting me up and scoring them. The only one that gave me problems that I still played great defense on was Sam Cassell. Is that right? And Sam could just because he's not that much bigger. Y'all about the no. same size. He was taller than me, but he just Sam. Once he saw the goal, he had that touch. I could bother anybody else, but I couldn't bother Sam. Huh. And Sam could always see that goal, and he'll turn around. I have a hand in his face, and I look back. I'm like, "This is all." Damn, he made it. <laughs> so he's always he's probably the only one that really gave me problems on the box as a post-up player. Anybody else? I guarded well. We, you know, you always talk about, like, part of winning a championship is staying healthy. And I always felt like if Sam hadn't gotten hurt with the T-Wolves that they could have won it all that year. Sam got hurt, and then the Lakers were able to, to get on by him after that. Yeah, that, that, that's always the key. Yeah. Um, even for us, um, when we went, went to the finals that year, uh, having Adrian Griffin, who joined us late, mm -hmm. I mean, joined us in the – Beginning of the season, about 10, 15 games into the season. And he was our glue guy to me right. with that first unit. But Adrian had a um, poor hamstring. And uh, he was injured. And our first unit wasn't the same without him, the way he used to compete. And um, so, yeah, you got to stay healthy. I, I feel like if we would had Adrian Griffin healthy and, and the way he competes in that first unit, does all the dirty work. It would have probably been a different um, series, but it wasn't because um, of his mobility that he couldn't move the way he needed to move. And and um, we, we once once we got him after we let Doug Christie go, we started playing good basketball. Right. Did you uh, did you if you remember what you thought about Dirk before you got here? I think I just saw him score fifty. Like, you know, I was like, you know, it's pretty good. Uh-huh. You know, I was excited. I was excited about the whole team. Not just that big old mummy. I was excited about the whole team. Uh -huh. Even in um, New Orleans, me and Marquise was close because we had the same agent. 
and they came in town, me, him, and, and uh, I took him and Josh Howard out to eat. We went to Ruth Chris, and not knowing how, how, how good Josh Howard was, how good Marquise was, I knew how good Stackhouse was. And so I'm looking at it like, man, this, this is a nice team. Yeah. And then they have Jet Terry, and Devin Harris as a um, rookie. Uh, we, I mean, we had a squad. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, um, seeing this big guy score the basketball the way he could score, it was amazing, man. Um, and he's fun to be around. Right. And that's that's that's. I think that's the biggest thing I take. Uh, he's fun to be around. He works. Uh, he knows how to play. He's slow now. I mean, he's a real mummy now, <laughs> but he still somehow find ways to score on right. the floor, and um, it was fun. I mean, I, I, I've been happy. I've been proud. You know, that I was traded to Dallas from um, New Orleans, and the only two championships that um, Dallas has ever been been to has been since I got here. Yeah, and um, one as a player, and the other one as a coach, and. So, you know, it's, 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 been a, it's been a great honor just to be here. I mean, I, I, never, I never thought I'd be in Dallas, to be honest with you, especially with the cowgirls around. <laughs> yeah, you're a Redskins Y'all, guy. Calm, calm it down, everybody. Yeah. Calm it down. But, um, We're kind of in the same boat, though. Yeah. Skins haven't been good in a long time. Nah, skins ain't good neither right now. But I still love them. Yeah. But, I mean, so when I got here, it was, it was, it was fun playing basketball. The first – First person I met, and, and and then the crazy part when I got traded, um, when I got traded. I, went, I was on my way to practice, and uh, my agent told me, "Yo, you might get traded today, uh, so just go through practice." I went through a hard two-hour practice, and then not only two-hour practice, but I went to an NBA meeting after that. And um, after practice, I remember Alan Briscoe who was so, so blessing for me when I got to uh, to New Orleans. Alan, um, secretary came up to me and said, Alan, I want to talk to you. And when he said that, I said, I got traded. Uh-huh. I knew, I said, I got traded. So I couldn't wait. I went home. Uh, I walked, I mean, after the meeting, NBA meeting, I walked in Alan Briscoe's office and he said, man, I appreciate everything you've done. Here and he say, but we traded you to Dallas, and um, you know if I if I and I believe and I believe this if I didn't work hard and I I'm not the guy who I I am, you know going out competing every night, enjoying myself around my teammates, you know, Allen could trade me to anybody, but he traded me to someone who was some team that was really good yep. and really playing good basketball, and. Um, I came in and I fit perfect. I mean, I was older. I didn't have to play every night. But when Avery called my number, I was ready to go. And um, so, you know, it's been a blessing here. I, 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 I have enjoyed 10 years of coaching here and two as a player. It's been 10 years, huh? Yeah, this is my 10th year. So wow. It's, 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 I mean, I can't ask for more because it's been fun. And um, so, I'm, I mean, that's why I always get out here and, I try to make sure I do what I need to do with these guys. And the first person they put me on when I got to as a coach was J.J. Barrera. Okay. And when I walked, 
I walked downstairs and I had played against JJ the year before and I got him in trouble in the game in New Jersey. So I, I think JJ say, all right, I'm gonna listen to this guy. Uh -huh. So when I came downstairs, I said, JJ, they got me going with you. And I never forget, he said, whatever you say, I'm, I'm, I'm listening, whatever you say. And we had, we just been a bond since then. And um, for him to do what he's done and, you know, started in the finals and played big for us. And it's, it's been lovely. And I, 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 I sit back and enjoy what he's, what yeah. he's done. And, and I take it all in. I mean, I, I, whatever you do on the floor, sometimes he come out of the bench and come off the court and he look back at the bench and say, man, man, that felt good. That shot felt good on Man, I thought I had that deep, you know, it's whatever. So he's always coming back to me and talking. And so that's always been good for me as a coach to start with somebody like that. And um, not only start with him, but have him come back here, continue to play with us. And as soon as he came back, that was my workout partner again. So I, I have enjoyed that young fella. And just to see the growth on him things he's done for this organization has been amazing. It, it's been really cool and I, and I tell people it's like you can make arguments now you know when you step back and look at the whole thing it's like J.J. Barea ended up being one of the greatest Dallas Mavericks of all time and nobody would have thought that. I can remember when he got here I wasn't sure he was going to make the team. I just thought he was training camp guy or whatever. But you step back and you look at it what he's been a part of and what he's meant. It That's a phenomenal thing. Oh, It's, it's a blessing. I mean it's funny sometimes. It's funny sometimes. These guys clown a lot, and Dirk, Dirk yells to JJ sometimes. You better be glad I'm on the floor with you, cause I <laughs> damn sure make you. <laughs> yeah, so they have that relationship, and it, it's amazing. Coach Carlisle used them so well together. Yeah. Um, usually when Dirk going the game, JJ going the game, JJ going the game, Dirk going the game. And they feed off of, off of each other so good. Yeah. And uh, they know how to play with each other. And part of that, too, is I think liking each other. I mean, it's clear they're friends. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're they, they, they the greatest of friends. Um, a lot of I – can't, I can't cuss on the word. If you do, we'll just believe it out. It don't matter. I can't say it. There's a lot of talking. Right. You know. But um, – and it's fun talking. And um, But like you're saying, they, they're the best of friends. They – they get along. Um, you know, it's so funny now. In the last two years, Dirk always called JJ out. Um, like before the game today, JJ beat him in shoot in a, in a uh, game. Usually, it's usually Devin and Dirk, but JJ now been playing a lot of games with Dirk before the game. And um, Dirk will be already warm. JJ's just getting down there. And Dirk, like, you want some? So they'll go, you got to make five threes. JJ been whooping his tail a lot. <laughs> Is that year. right? Yes. Yes. So um, he's having one of his best three-point shooting careers he's ever had. Yes. Uh, years he's, he's ever had. Yeah, he's shooting the basketball well. I mean, and uh, it's just fun. Like I said, it's, it's fun to watch. I was happy that you know um, we didn't get a chance to re-sign him when he left. Right. When we won a championship, but our, two of the three of the guys I wish would have came back was one was JJ Tyson and. Um, Sean Stevens because I thought they deserved oh. to come back and, and have a chance to, to win a championship. But, you know, business is business, and, that, and it happens. Yeah. You know? and, but fortunately for J.J., he had a chance to come back and play. And I, 
and I love that. And, and I know JJ loved Dallas like I love Dallas. Yeah. Besides the cowgirls. <laughs> I love, but um, he, he's he's enjoyed his career here. He's been dominant here. Yeah. And like you said, he's probably one of the probably the top five guys besides Dirt, uh, Rolando Blackman. And Harp, Tarp, obviously, yeah. You know, he's probably one of the top guys to, to be here and do great things. Uh, you mentioned Deshaun Stevenson. And so, you know, a lot of times when a dude is on another team, you have these perceptions of a guy, right? And so Deshaun, to me, I didn't really know him that well, and he kind of came off – he kind of came off as a guy that, um, you know, looked like a like a tough dude, like maybe, uh, you know, maybe he was like a bad dude. You weren't sure. And then he got here, and, man, I loved him. He was a really, really great dude. You know, he had the tattoos on the neck and all that stuff. But you got to know him. You're like, that's a lovely dude. Like, he, yeah. he's one of my favorite people to come through here. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to understand sometimes there are systems that fit you in the NBA and there's some systems that don't fit you. It's, Deshaun was on a team that's I, I, I'm not going to say that was disparate. You know, they had so much other things going on and you know, with the trade of getting Brandon Hayworth. Yeah. I'm sorry, Haywood. Haywood, yeah. I'm sorry, Haywood and um, Karan Butler and Deshaun Stevenson and then nobody knowing how Deshaun was going to be able to fit in and Rick fit him in so well with starting with the first unit. And, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's just the right situation of being in the right system. And this system was the right system for Deshaun Steve, um, for Karan Butler. Yeah. Um, for Brandon Hayward. I mean, Hayward. I mean, Haywood. Yeah. Haywood. I don't know why I kept saying Hayward. Haywood. But it, it, it fit all three of those guys, and all three of them played. You know, that was the main thing. Even all three of them started mm -hmm. at one point. Right. You know, so. Um, but for Deshaun Stevens, uh, for him to just come in, all he had to do was play defense. When he had the opportunity to knock down a shot, knock it down, and, uh, and you know, go from there. He was one of my guys who I worked out as well. And, you know, I, I always tell guys, be who you're going to be. When I first got traded to the team, uh, I met with Avery that Saturday morning. I, I left that Friday night. Met with Avery that Saturday morning, and after I met with Avery, I walked back out, and Michael Finley was in the locker room lifting, and uh, he pulled me to the side and said, "Hey, man, do what you do. We need you to do what you do. Be who you gonna be." And that's the same thing I told Deshaun Stevens. Hey. You can play with that edge. That's, yeah. that's the edge you play with. Play with it. And that team needed it. And then we, we needed it. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, even on the outside, Dallas Mavericks always been known as being soft. Right. Uh, a great scoring team, but still known as being soft. Right. And, you know, like when I like I say, I'm not, a, I'm not a big guy in statue, but I'm a big guy when it comes to pressing the basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, setting the tone. Setting the tone. And that's what, that's what Deshaun Stevenson did. JJ do it. Yeah. It's the funniest thing sometimes. I don't – when he gets switched off into bigger guys, they always push him off. So those are the little things that, um, you know, adds up to be big things. And for Deshaun Stevenson, every time I see him in Orlando, 
I always say, hey, champ. And he just starts smiling. But it's, it's a beautiful thing. You know, it's just about opportunity and um, situation that you get into. And I've been in this situation here, and JJ been in this situation here, and other guys have been in a great situation here. And, and, and look at Dirk Nowinski. He's been in great situations here. 20 years, baby. Yes. You can't so, ask for nothing more and nothing less. Nothing less. You've never done an interview on an airplane, have you? <clears throat> no, but my and my voice. I never had my voice to go out. Well, yes, I have on the sideline. Right. But I've uh, never done an interview on an airplane. But it's, uh, it's been lovely. Yeah, it worked out pretty good for you? Worked out pretty good. I'm glad you... We did it now. Yeah. Now I can go night-night. Yeah, I'm going to let you get some sleep. I'm going to get some sleep. Uh, and, but uh, we'll do it again sometime. Yeah, definitely that. Bring me back on. I'd love to talk to you again. All right, that's Daryl Armstrong, my co-host for today on Numbers on the Boards. Thank you for joining us. I hope the airplane noise wasn't too much. Uh, but we will do it again sometime. Uh, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And uh, thank you for listening. For DA... <laughs> Put on your seatbelt, please. Put on your seatbelt. That's not a real pilot. That's DA. (laughs) And uh, we'll catch you next time on Numbers on the Boards. Numbers on the Boards with Jeff Skinwade and Bobby Corrala. 